Hello and welcome to the uh, very first Xbox World 360 podcast of 2009, even though it's Feb, uh, we, we do apologise, uh, there are good reasons for why it's Feb and it's the first podcast. Um, I'm Matthew, I'm Starfighter. And I'm Mike, I'm the other staff writer. There is no Tim today, and there's only half of my voice because I'm I'm not particularly healthy. Tim stole Mike's voice and then ran off to make a snowman with it. Yeah, it, we are recording this on Thursday the 5th. I'm not sure when this is going up, but it's, this is Thursday the 5th, and it is snowy out there, like seriously snowy. Bath, Bristol, knee-deep in snow. And it should be mentioned that Tim, Matt lives in Trowbridge, I live in Bristol, I had to walk five miles to get to the train station because they cancelled all the buses this morning. Five miles, mind you. I walked it. And you're not feeling Matt, well as well. I'm not feeling that good either. Matt gets on the train for all the way from Trowbridge, travels in. First one was cancelled. I had to wait half hour. There you go, waiting in the snow in the freezing cold. Tim lives about 10 minutes at the road. <laughs> He's not here. Where is he? I, I don't see him. Do you see him? <laughs> I don't. He said he'll try and make it for half 10 for the podcast. But apparently he sent Jim an email at quarter past 10. And it takes him about, it'll take him about an hour in this to get here. So, In Tim's defense, he does, uh, he does live in sort of the sticks. And it's not like you're gritting roads out there. No. In fact, um, brilliantly, um, I'm in Trowbridge, which is in Wiltshire. And uh, they've run out of salt. Yeah. So, and Trowbridge is where we store all of the rock salt for the West Country. So we're stuffed. Yeah, we're absolutely stuck. I'm about, um, about importing more rock salt from Spain. Spain, <laughs> where it never snows ever. Uh, so we, we run out, and uh, Spain are doing good for rock salt. They're all right. Why are they hoarding it? What, what are they doing with it? Selfish. It's just selfish. Damn you, Spain. We're going to mix things up a little bit today. We're going to be leading with the questions first. We're just going to see where it goes. Basically, there's just the two of us, where, um, and I've got the voice of a tiny child. We're just going to be uh, riffing off one another and going with whatever whatever comes up from the questions, essentially. We'll talk about what we've been playing. We'll talk about Christmas. And I'll probably go off topic as well, but do you want to just jump straight in with the questions? Yeah, okay. Let's, let's head into these straight away. Uh, got a couple from Jonesy911. He wants to know, if we could have any appearance in any game, just like Tim um, in Perfect Dark, uh, what would it be? Uh... Silence, just sit here in silence, I think. Um, you asked me this question on the way here in preparation. I, I, I stopped in the bathroom on the way up and thought, you know, I wonder what would I, what would I do? And honestly, no, no clue. I'd like to just be Dan's replacement in Street Fire. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think <laughs> I Street Fighter would be like the, um, would be the, the one which would like, you know, um, like leave you entrenched in his memories forever. I mean, really, though, if we're going to be in a game like, like Tim was, it's not going to happen, but we won't be a lead character. Sadly, no. we're going to be some dude in the background, aren't we? Well, I would love to be in the, uh, the old GoldenEye remake, yeah. which, uh, which never ended up coming out. But, you know, you, if you, if the, the, yeah, we took a look at that a while ago. Be Around this time last year, in fact, uh, when we had the uh, world exclusive, which um, some people appreciated and some people didn't. I find that inexplicable, <laughs> but still. Um, and if you looked at that game, then they had, of course, maps. You had to map in lots and lots of new faces. Yeah. And to be in Goldeneye, that would be in the awesome. same way that Tim was in Perfect Dark, that would be a special would treat. Would you be Toilet Guard? I'd love to be Toilet Guard. The guy who gets his hat shot off and then his head stoved in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would, would be the best character ever. I would love to be that guy. The, the easy, he is by far the most famous guard in the game, I think. No, I'd definitely think Toilet Guard. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't mind being one of the prisoners in, uh, in the new Riddick. Not the guy who's masturbating furiously. No, no, not, not, not the old masturbating guy. I've been playing uh, Riddick for review these last couple of weeks. Uh, it's as good as it ever was. Dark Athena is, shall we say, 
good up to a point. I mean, very good up to a point. At which point, it sort of it sort of loses its way and becomes something something very different. And I think is there's a point at which you should just turn the game off, show some willpower, and just say, okay, that's the end, and just flick the game off because everything else from there on is a disappointment. But Butcher Bay is excellent. Um, the remake is. They've done a very nice job with it. It looks very good. Dark Athena is just—it just looks incredible. Everything about it is ridiculously well made. Like I say, up to that sixty percent point. We've got a, we've got obviously the uh, the review in our next issue, which is yeah. out seventeenth of February. Seventeenth of February. Yeah, I would talk about it more, but I can't until then. We'll be we talking about it probably next podcast or the podcast after. I think so. Yeah. What we're going to try and do is get these podcasts out every two weeks from now on. Yeah. This is the second week of our production schedule, so if we could like you know bang them out on like week ones and week threes and so on we'd be able to um we'd be able to do a, a more regular schedule yeah. it's true that we have um we haven't recorded a podcast since christmas since before christmas in fact and we've got a lot to update you on christmas wise and that seems like you know a million years ago but basically we came back after christmas no one was in the office there is a, there's a thing a uh, future where um you have to take your all of your like 2008 holiday by the end of January 2009 so of course everybody in the building squeezed their holiday into into um, January so we were constantly well, at least two men down all month so we never had a, a full compliment and admittedly we don't have a full compliment today however we did plan we had the best of intentions of having a full compliment Tim would have been here as well but sadly he's uh, like we said he's, he's buried in snow yeah he's, he's up to his eyeballs in snow He's, he's tobogganing down the hill as we speak. <laughs> and Bath's a hilly city. Remember, this, this whole city's like shaped like a bowl. Yeah. So, in theory... I mean, we're at the bottom. We are at the bottom. If you could find a nice straight line, you could just toboggan all the way to the office. That'd um, be all right. Jonesy 91 also says he's been playing Left 4 Dead online um, when a guy with the game tag Trowbridge Thug joined the game. <laughs> Was it Mr. Matthew Pallet or one of his cronies? Well, of course, Matt Pallet's uh, gamer tag is actually in the magazine these days. Yeah, no, I'm Peloki, so it certainly wasn't me. Uh, he's, he's been very brave. If you, what experiences do you have of, of, cons- of consorting with our readers? On, well, I'll, I'll be honest, most of the readers that have, have added me, spoken to me, are, are, are very nice, very polite. So thank you very much for everyone who's uh, who's asked for games. I'm, I'm always happy to have a game of... Uh, FIFA anytime or I don't know maybe COD sometimes it depends I, I don't play an awful lot online um, I've been one or two stranger messages but for the most part it's been, it's been strange very, messages very very pleasant um, but no uh, to the best of my knowledge I don't really have any cronies as either so <laughs> Trowbridge Thug for now is a, is a mystery Trowbridge Thug for life yeah bounce, bounce him a message uh, well yeah, him. yeah, bounce him. Say, ask him where he lives in Trowbridge. Um, I've had a few strange messages, thanks to you. See, this worries me because you haven't had any strange messages at all. Well, you had a few, but I, what I've had is people tracking me down through you. See, no uh, one cares about me; they just want to track you down. Uh, well, maybe, but he, what, to do that, they have to go to your profile, look at your friends list, and then go through all of the avatars on that fence to find the one which looks most like the one I have in the magazine <laughs> and then like so then add me as a friend so that someone's gone to some some people have gone to some great lengths to yeah. track me down and that, that gotta say that scares me a little <laughs> that does scare me we, we've had people adding us on Facebook in the last uh, oh we should mention also we're on Twitter now we are on Twitter we uh, I think Tim put us on yesterday and we we made our first update which was um, which was actually next issue Again, on South 17th yeah. Feb, uh, say that average game score is 53.8. Should we give people a preview of some of the scores in the issue? 
we, we won't go to specifics, but you think, you know, that's about right. We've got 12 games that issue review. Bear in mind, one of those games got well over 90. Well, let's, let's, let's just do the list. Right, 53% average, you know, n- normal month, yeah. if, if there's loads of games out. So this is an issue with Resi 5, with Street Fighter 4, with Riddick, Riddick with Race Pro, with some big names there. Big, so, um, big name games. As I say, one of them got well over 90 and not far below 100. One of those games came in in a, a strong mid-80s. Another came in in a strong mid-80s. So what do you think would have to be at the bottom end of that scale? It's an exciting issue for anyone who likes to see games get their faces kicked off, I think. <laughs> uh, but as ever, we try and make our criticism you know, constructive. We uh, reviewed Lord of the Rings Conquest last month and we're very, very disappointed yeah. by Pandemic's work on that. Pandemic are a studio we like, we've always liked. We even enjoyed Mercenaries too, even though some of our contemporaries are kind of kicking its face in. But uh, Lord of the Rings Conquest is just a truly, truly awful game. And a uh, big shout out to the guys on the Pandemic Forums who decided to call me a big prick, by the way. Oh, really? Or, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks guys. Um, uh, the fact is, it's a terrible game made by a company who really can do better. We know they should do better. Uh, I'm not attacking the game for no good reason. It's, it shows absolute contempt for the, the Lord of the Rings like name. It shows absolute contempt for the characters, absolute contempt for you know, the mythology, for the movies, for the books, you name it. It's just, it, it treats it all and just spits in its eye. This is um, uh, a, a terrible game. Yeah. But um, I have, even though Pandemic, of course, have had a studio bumped by EA down in Australia we're hoping that Pandemic are back in a big way with whatever they do next because they're a studio we really like and I'm sure they would do they're, they're a quality outfit it's just obviously this one they're, they're a quality outfit but their quality control of late has been astonishingly poor I mean when you look at full, how polished Full Spectrum Warrior it was which was of course distributed by THQ so almost as if since they got picked up by EA they went off the rails a little bit maybe EA put some tire deadlines on the games they were working on either way let's hope their next game's a lot better right we've got a question here from Randy Tandy who wants Randy to know Tandy. Randy Tandy again who wants to know what's the one gaming resolution we've made this year whether it be to stop needlessly running back through levels to pick up equipment or to turn down the achievement hunting a notch you know who I'm talking about but I'll tell you Randy Tandy I'm not turning it down at all no at all I'll be stepping it up um, you've got a little treat coming into the office this week as well haven't you a little achievement flavoured treat in uh, the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection. Oh, I'll be uh, I'll be mining the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection for plenty of achievements. Um, I think my 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 one gaming resolution was to become good at Street Fighter Four. I'm not a fighting fan. I've never been a fighting fan. Yeah. But um, Street Fighter Four has really really gone down well in the office, and whenever I played, I've really had a great time. So I want to be good at it. I want to be able to give Mike a market game because when he's saga you know he can just wipe the floor with me and or, anyone or else guile or abel abel i know it's, it's a game sometimes pronounces it in like different ways um or ryu or ken <laughs> not quite not quite or cammy you name it yeah, yeah yeah yeah. there's no one in the office can lick can, can test me a street fire but um apart from dan reed in our who handles our dvd we've mentioned before plays Virtua Fighter is very good you have to reintroduce him every time of course because not everyone listens to every podcast shame on you if you don't uh, Dan is well the sick thing is it's like we're playing in the office every single day I mean every single day if you want to talk about what we've been playing we've been yeah. playing Street Fighter 4 and we've been playing it constantly every lunchtime sometimes after work's playing it on the new Mad Cat sticks the tournament edition sticks which are excellent by the way um, even the pads are very good. I mean, they're as good, they're, 
I mean, I know people kind of look at Mad Cats and go, oh dear, I don't trust those guys to make a, you know, a good peripheral. But this is, the pad is just like the old Japanese Saturn pad. It feels really good. The, the tournament edition stick is the best arcade stick ever made. And the standard edition stick they're doing is perhaps a little overpriced at 60, but if you can find it for like 45, 50, that's a good stick. Um, it, and it's by far and away, uh, a leagues ahead of the Hori stick that's on shelves at the moment. But we've been playing in the office, of course, and playing it constantly. And then Dan Reed comes around, who hasn't been playing it at all, except when he comes and plays us. And the first time he came down, we, well, I kicked his face off. And um, about a week later, he comes down. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been reading about it online. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm up for some games. Couldn't even touch him. Couldn't even get him off the machine. Winner stays on, couldn't get him off the machine. Um, he is a monster. Basically, um, Leo from Capcom, uh, who's a PR guy there, had this theory that um, basically for, for Dan, it's just a case of, because his execution is so good thanks to Virtual Fighter, all he has to do is read about like, the good combos and the good tactics online, and he can instantly put it into action. So he looks at like the show recon forums for like five minutes, ten minutes, applies all everything he learns to one character, and he's he's just deadly. He's frightening. But we're gonna get some good gifts, some games in in coming weeks, and try and try and push one another a little bit. Have you uh, have you made a resolution? Or? Well, like you, I kind of want to be good at Street Fighter. I've always been okay. I'd like to actually be really good at it. Um, but if anything, is kind of to stop. Almost to play less games. Mm-hmm. I've gotten so so burned out on games. It's interesting. We shouldn't actually maybe we could talk about what it's like to review a game right now. I got a message on Facebook uh, a little earlier in the week. Um, don't do it on me on Facebook, by the way, folks. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but if any, we so sent a little message on Facebook and someone. Uh, so I said, "Oh man, you guys have the best job. You get to see it to sit around and play games all day." Like, it's like to be honest, dude. It's for me. It's been probably two, three weeks since I last played a game in the office apart from Street Fighter at lunchtime and after work and Riddick Riddick is like the last game I played that's the, that's, that's the crazy thing and that was a good couple of weeks ago and it's the same for most of us it's not like you get to sit and play games it's, there's so much to do just general we're constantly chasing up code we're a man short at the moment we're constantly chasing code we're constantly uh, liaising with PR constantly going on um, events and interviews and preview trips there's a lot to do and we have a, a fairly small team at the moment so it's not like we get a lot of gaming done. But when we do, it's kind of, it's work. And that's the thing. When you sit and you play in the office and you review a game, it is, it is very hard to sit back and enjoy it. It's not like, you know, enjoying it in the comfort of your own home, playing it at your own pace. You have to sit down and you think, oh, well, damn, I have to finish this game now. I have to play it through the end. Do you think that's like, do you think the way you play a game for review is different to how you play a game when you're at home? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, wherever possible, I try. I mean, I've taking stuff home just to play at home and try and get the you know the authentic experience in inverted commas like with Dead Space I had a couple of days off and rather than like wait and play in the office I actually played at home closed all the curtains because that's what people are going to do when they when they buy a game they're going to go home they're going to turn the lights off and they're going to play it so I think it's good to get as close to that experience as possible um, but you're right I mean obviously if uh, if someone picks up Oblivion, say, or Fallout, you know, they, they can spread that over three, four months, maybe longer. We don't have that luxury, sadly. We've, we've well, got to get it done within a finite amount of exactly. time. Exactly. Look, when Rob went to London to play Grand Theft Auto, he had to finish Grand Theft three Auto days, in two days. Two I think, days, yeah. yeah. And with Fallout, he had to finish that in three days. Uh, he did both, but, I mean, it was incredible that he did. They're both massive games. 
and it's really not it's really an unfair way to rate those games and it's perhaps it's perhaps telling in the ultimate review that if you look back on it in both of those games you perhaps say there is maybe one or two things we'd like to reconsider you know mm. with hindsight you'd like to reconsider is we found you know through dozens and dozens of hours of play that Fallout doesn't have the depth or longevity of Oblivion and we found out that GTA perhaps uh isn't a game we could return to again and again no. and again as we expected after review uh, those of course are strange cases because those are ones where we actually had to go away to review the game which only happens very rarely we did it for Gears of War 2 did it for, did it for Halo, Halo yes Halo 3 happens very rarely but it's, they do that when they want to protect their code essentially mm-hmm. for example when Matt was reviewing Resident Evil there was a a PR man from Capcom in here, in actually in the office with us, just yeah. just sitting to make sure the code didn't leave the building, but not looking over Matt's shoulder. We we insisted upon that. Yeah, no, um, we certainly wouldn't want to be monitored while we we're reviewing a game. Because I mean, not. I don't know about you, Mike, but when I'm playing a game, I need to have a little outburst every now and then. If something frustrates me, I want to shout out, "Oh man, that this is rubbish!" Yeah, I don't mean that the game is rubbish. Yeah, of I'm course, just getting frustrated. And, and just because just because you're getting pissed off with the game doesn't mean it's a bad game. No, and and, and you certainly don't want someone representing the game sitting right next to you at that point eject the disc and say oh we'll, we'll take this away from you you're not allowed to review yeah you don't, you, don't, you don't want a guy sitting there like you're going oh god damn it this is bullshit you know <laughs> and the guy sitting next to you goes goes oh yeah but you're doing so well you're doing oh Matt you're the best player I had this when I went to uh, an event for a game which I will sure remain unnamed but anyone who watches our DVDs will know that it's the event where I had to play the game squatting for um for about an hour it's like you know in a in a semi-squat position with my Jean-Claude Van Damme buttocks poking out um all the while playing this game uh with a PR guy standing beside me going oh man you're so good at this there's nothing worse than that you're you're the best oh wow you're doing so much better than everybody else wow you're so good at this oh that was a great shot great shot Mike I'm like thanks dude (laughs) thanks can can I just can I just play please (laughs) My, my buttocks are hurting from from all of the love you're making Randy Tandy also wants to know what does a credit con- uh, credit crunch sorry mean for gamers well for Xbox world readers it means it's just going to be me and Matt doing the writing in the magazine <laughs> Rob um, left us of course before Christmas mm-hmm. uh, he is sadly missed but you know he wanted to become you know he wanted to go off and follow his dream of being a masseuse so you know male masseuse uh, just just oiling up dudes so in a Turkish spa so um, uh, it's just, we're shorthanded at the moment now I'm just kidding he went off to work on a, a, another magazine in the uh, far out in Dubai as regular reader, uh, listeners will know but um, if we are shorthanded and another question someone I think I was asking later is you know, is anyone going to be replacing Rob and no. yeah in fact Little Moth also asks if, yeah. if anyone's replacing Rob the question the answer is I think no we have been credit crunched along with a lot of other people and I think we'll be producing the magazine on a, on a, with a smaller staff um, with and just doubling the, uh, the amount of stuff we're turning out doubling the funny as well that doesn't mean we're uh, going to be dropping the quality though absolutely not um, we are going to be producing the absolute best quality stuff we've ever done we've, um, we've upped the amount of feature content in the magazine in 2009 you're going to be looking at a very different Xbox world we've increased the amount of feature content we've got absolutely killer features uh, 
on you know on level design in games we've got ones coming up on like the Scandinavian games industry which hey doesn't sound interesting but they've got a lot of talent out there and they make games very differently and we were very interested in looking into that we've got a feature on Splinter Cell um, Spy versus Mercs we've, we've tracked down and it was, it was no mean feat to track down the designers on that game spread the word around the Splinter Cell forums anyone who still plays that versus mode they will absolutely want to pick up our, our next issue our issue coming out god a bit further down the road I think in March we've got an exclusive interview which is you know going deep into that game to saying saying how it was made all of the spy gadgets all of the mercenary gadgets which never made it into the game which they planned to put into the game hey did you know the mercenaries were supposed to have a dog at one point no you didn't it's all and we're gonna it's gonna be we're gonna be talking about that kind of thing uh it's gonna we're, we're really gonna be pushing the envelope in terms of quality we've got We've got less bodies on the floor, but we've all got a new writer in, Tom, who we share among other mm. magazines. We share between our sister magazines, Endgamer and PSN3. And as a result, we're able to, Matt and I, our workload hasn't increased drastically. It has increased, but it hasn't increased so much that we can't simply delegate other tasks out to up the writing. So I think what you're going to see is ultimately Matt and I doing more writing, but less other stuff around the office. Yeah, I think, I think um, I mean, Mike and I are both relatively new to the magazine. I say we've both been here less than two years each. You know, there are some people at Future who've been here over a decade. Yeah, two years from me in um, March. But, you know, we've, we've got fond memories of the old mag, and we, we have uh, very clear ideas as to where we'd like, we'd like the mag to go, where Absolutely. we think the industry should be going. I think you'll see more of that, certainly with the whole feature aspect. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I came in, something that you, you've definitely, well, it's already been put into action, is stuff like the 50% average. We're reclaiming the 50% average. If yeah. a game is average 50%, there's and none sure of enough, seven the average score in the issue, 50%. I mean, that was luck. You, it was you a fluke, but yeah. You certainly can't, we, we certainly don't know what else to get 50% average. Hey, every you know, issue, you know for a fact, when, when Christmas comes around, the average doesn't go away. That's going to rock it. Yeah. But yeah, the, the whole seven, the, the days at the seven, seven out of 10 average, um, if it ever existed, that's arguable. I, I believe it did perhaps in the past. Yeah. But they're, but they're, they're far gone. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, uh, I won't say, a, a, a much bigger Xbox one, but it's going to be a much, much better Xbox one. I think so too. Like I say, it's, uh, don't be afraid that, you know, we're a man buying and that means that everyone's going to have to be doing so much work that, you know, it's the, the quality is going to drop. streamlined into the magazine we want it to be. If, if honestly, I, I'm taking more time with features and, I've, and articles than I've ever taken before. And we have, there hasn't been like a, a drastic increase in our workload across the board. We've, thanks to just like a, a slight restructure, we've had, we just, because with losing Rob, we've had to reconsider who does what on the magazine. And as a result, different people are taking on different jobs and it's just a more streamlined production process, essentially. Uh, don't worry, it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. I mean, obviously, it's it's hard to believe though. But um, outside of Xbox World, there is still a gaming world and a gaming industry. Of course, it, yeah, it's, it's a huge shock. It's currently getting its but, ass um, kicked in. I mean, credit crunch. I, I, of all, I mean, if if you listen to all the news, obviously, it's affecting companies. EA and staff go. There have been closures such as you know Free Radical Design. We'll talk about that in just a minute, yep. actually. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely hitting a lot of companies hard. But for the most part, I think for the end user, it's not. It's not terrible. The credit crunch, at least the way we see it, people aren't going to be able to buy more expensive items, holidays and that lot. But gaming, it's really, it's good value for money, really. Gamers tend to, the actual games industry, we expect it to sort of remain untouched by the credit crunch. However, it hasn't quite worked out that way, unfortunately. A lot of people are losing a lot of jobs, which is a real shame. I think EA in particular are very notable because it's almost like they're a company built for boom times. 
and they're not built for crunch times. And as the recession kicks in, and I'm not an economist, but they really seem to be struggling to hang on to a lot of their staff. I think they had a lot of high-profile failures last year in games like Mirror's Edge. To a certain extent, Dead Space, which of course made money, but not nearly as much as EA would like. They're talking about this year with um, about essentially focusing on their core sports franchises and on a lot of Wii software, Boomblocks 2 and so on. Boomblocks, of course, is a great game. And before we go on, I'm going to have one of my little sweets here. A vocal zone lo- lozenge. Any, anything taste, that anything oh, it doesn't taste good, I've got to tell you. Anything that's this colour has got to be good for you, though. I'm of the old school, you know. I, I figure if you have an ailment, any kind of illness, you've got to go, you've got to go ask your nan what to do about it. You've got to go talk to your nan, talk to your gran, and say, nan, what did you take for that when you were little? And she'll say, she'll recommend like a medicine or a sweet or something that's so vile you can barely stomach it she'll be like oh what's that you've got uh, you've got constipation oh well you have to rub a scroll on your ass and then eat a lump of coal and you'll be, and you'll be like that's, that's insane man <laughs> but guess what it'll work or, you know maybe but and anyway in this case I was recommended vocal zone lozenges which are basically a little black like smarty of pure menthol forget those bean boosters <laughs> this is worse this is way worse this is, this is some strong this is some strong shit but uh, so I'm just going to pop one of these because my voice is failing me fair enough Mike um, yeah it's a it's a scary time to be working in any industry right now I think any industry which is affected by you know depression and boom busters which of course they all are but in particular games industry I think in terms of content we're gonna, I don't think we're going to see, for example, Halo ODST this year selling markedly less no. than Halo 3 because there's a recession on. Like you say, games are great value for money. People might go to restaurants less. They might go to the cinema less. But I think people will keep buying games. You buy one game and you're going to be looking at God, you know, 10, 20, 30 hours of play, just, you know, of fun. That's not a bad ask. That's, that's, you know, for a game when you're playing, paying a pound an hour for your fun. It's not a bad deal. But... My heart does go out to like all the people who've lost jobs so yeah. far. I mean, we got a lot of high-profile redundancies at the moment. The guys black that, box, EA shock. Black Box, were a real shock. I mean, that's the guys who do skate. A lot of those guys, those guys were let go. We had pandemic in Australia; their stuff was cancelled. We've had um, Free Radical, of course, were the most high-profile first one to go. Yeah, but now they've been bought out by Crytek. Yep. Well, I'm going to be Crytek UK, which is interesting. I mean, they've got a lot of talent there. And honestly, the um, UK games industry is something we should be very, very proud of. Britain's not a country which produces anything. No. We don't make anything. We're a company, a country built on like you know finances and trading, trading nothing with nothing. You know, with a bunch of guys in the city trading a bunch of imaginary money with a, another guys with a bunch of imaginary money, and then we have this industry. A genuine homegrown industry which grew out of guys making ZX Spectrum games in their bedrooms in like 1983. We've got Lionhead, who are fantastic. Lionhead, Codemasters, Free Radical, Sumo. Rare. Rare. These are amazing companies. And move for, obviously, North in Scotland. You got Rockstar North. Rockstar, yeah. Rockstar is a game. Like one that we should be proud of all of these companies. Uh, you've got a massive mobile gaming industry in the UK as well. Absolutely colossal. You don't realize how big it is. You've got Real Time Worlds, the Crackdown guys. You've got so many great developers across the nation and to see them going down as many could in this recession 
is a, a massive loss, not just to the gaming industry, but to UK business altogether. Mm. This is something the UK can be genuinely proud of. In some regards, we lead the world in this. Like, there's, no, there's no denying that in, in terms of invention and innovation, Lionhead are like leading the world. Uh, rare, perhaps not so much now, but for ages, they absolutely, when they were on, uh, de- like developing for the N64, they were absolutely leading the world. Uh, again, looking at Codemasters, these guys make some of the best driving games on the planet. We should be incredibly proud of all of these studios, and to see them going down is a tragedy. I know it's like, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, I'll write to your MP and maybe get you know get them to consider but we should be doing what they do in in Quebec and Montreal it's in providing tax breaks for these companies and providing incentives to bring studios here it's a shame to see talented british developers going to canada because they can't make games over here because there's just not enough money in studios over here there's a lot of studios you can you can see the writings on the wall for them and I look at even a company like Rare, and it scares me. They have Microsoft's money, but Microsoft are very fast and loose with closing companies down. Uh, I mean, nuts and bolts just flopped. It got no backing, hardly any Released adverts. minutes, basically minutes after Gears of War 2. And it, 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 it was it like something like 140,000 copies it sold in America? That's astonishing. That's just nothing. I mean, for a game which took two years to develop, you know, it's like... That's, that's and a great, great game as well. A great absolutely game. absolutely unbelievable game. And to see companies like this struggling, it's, it's just terrifying. Like, I don't want to see Rare go the way of Ensemble. I don't want to see the small independent studios like Sumo and so on have to let staff go, and nobody does. I think for the end user, as you say, the, it's going to be, you're going to struggle to notice the impact of this. Certainly in the short term, anyway. Maybe if like, there are more closures. Oh, in, if, this, if the recession goes on for like you know three or four years, and yeah. If it goes on to the end of the year, then probably not. Like if I say, the games industry is built like is built for boom times, because the more guys you have on games, the faster you can turn them around. What you might see is like slower turnarounds as people let let staff go. But more importantly, I think the people who are really going to feel this are the people actually making the games. And you know, when you got like Crystal Dynamics, who turned out a great game like Tomb Raider Underworld, then having to just dump a bunch of staff the minute the game hits the shelves. That's just a real shame, man. It's like it's, these people should be re- rewarded for their work, not not kicked out on the street. There's a a massive talent pool all sitting at home twiddling their thumbs right now. That's a big loss to the industry. Uh, we've got one last question, which is from you guys, Rock Seven, who wants to rock. know um, whether Mass Effect Two has the potential to be the greatest game of our generation. Uh, he thinks so. Um, obviously, Mass Effect Two. We all knew it was coming, but it's recently been confirmed because Mass Effect didn't do brilliantly. It wouldn't have been a huge shock, I don't think, if if they just canned the trilogy. Um, I, I would say, I mean, technically, obviously, any game has the potential. Yeah. Um, Mass Effect Two more than many because it's got Bioware behind it, a great de- developer. Um, but if if the first one's anything to go by, I don't. I, while a very good game I'm sure it will be one of the better games of the year uh, I'm not convinced it's going to be game of the generation I think it's got a too much ground to make up on, on the first yeah the first made so many mistakes I mean there's just a litany of errors uh, what I would consider design mistakes just straight up mistakes uh, you know can they fix all of those in the sequel? Yeah, because they were all small mistakes. They're all very small things. Like, you know, the difference between you know, Paragon and Renegade and so on in in the uh, in the first game. 
needed to be it was very much a in their ways they talked about how you know you could be morally ambiguous in the game but no, you really couldn't you really i think the only ambiguous things were you understanding what you're choosing like yeah. there was no real clear divide in many of the conversations well, it was always like so. you know the the paragon choice was at the top and the renegade choice was at the bottom so you could just like hold and stick in that direction just keep on hammering the hammering the a button you know i think it was paragon at the top running at the bottom might be the other way around it's been a while since i played it but also it's like the world itself was very limited it was, if you followed the story along yeah it was a good story and the shooting was actually kind of good the combat i thought was quite good but it needed more stuff off the beaten track you know and there needed to be more thing i wanted to be captain kirk you know exploring these worlds and you know, going, you know finding really cool things and often you wouldn't often you just plonk yourself down in the middle of a desert and drive, drive around, around and then shoot run over some people run over some people go to a, like a you know an identikit kind of bunker walk in shoot some more people then leave uh, it needed to be like in the same way it's like of oblivion you know it's like it's void discovery you come across something in oblivion you're like oh my god god let's have a look in there let's see what's in there it should have been like that with um, Mass Effect I should have felt like you know Captain Kirk charting strange new worlds and going boldly where no man's gone before no, I said going boldly not boldly going because I I know grammar. <laughs> <laughs> you know grammar. I don't split infinitives. Um, it's um, it should be uh, it should be so much more than the first Mass Effect. And I wonder if it was a time limitation, which meant that they couldn't put more into the game, or if it was a, a disc space limitation. I think the thing that's playing in their favour is that everything you've said, it's been said by many other people as well, and. They should have taken it all on board. Like when they approached the sequel, mm. they should realize this. I mean, it didn't get tens across the board. It got a, a oh, lot any of complaints scores, we have to make have been made a hundred times before. That's the thing. I mean, everyone was expecting so much, and it delivered in so many ways. I mean, it's by far one of the best looking games of the generation. But uh, like I say, it could be so much more if they if they just open that world up and give you so much more to discover and explore yourself, rather than just holding your hand and taking you through or taking you along this story. So um, that's that's all the questions done with. Um, what what have you been playing recently? I've been playing since, since Christmas. We've got a, a month and a bit to play with her. God, that's a lot. Uh, well, let me think. What did I play at Christmas time? Not a lot. Saw my girlfriend as promised before Christmas went to spend it with her family who um, i got to say do Christmas a little different to us we um, at my end of the things we sort of it's very Christmas is a very chaotic kind of thing it's like you know we're rushing here we're rushing there going over here going over there like visiting someone it's like crashing out at home getting drunk there the Christmas was much more organised so it's kind of a subdued Christmas but it was a nice Christmas and uh and their family her family likes a bit of Mikey Mike so I've made, I've made friends at Christmas time um, but yeah, God, I didn't do a lot of gaming actually over Christmas. Did you? No, no. I'm, I'm sure we did. There, there was a bit of achievement hunting going on. Um, I think uh, one thing, one of the one of the big games that we've been playing was uh, was Fear Two, which is obviously the the cover game, yeah. the issue that's that's right out now. It, there still aren't that many reviews. I don't think. Of Fear no, II. we had the um, world exclusive review. So we did we gave it eighty four percent? Yeah, we really really like the game. The demo's out now, so if you haven't tried it, please go and try it. Um, after you listen to the podcast, of course. Um, I I would really like to champion Fear Two. I think it's a great game. When, when we were playing it in the office, it was back. It was mid December actually when when we finished it. Um, we had we obviously had a few people coming over, looking over our shoulders. The guys from PC Gamer came over and 
they weren't as fond of it. I think it's it's very telling that it's a game designed for console primarily. Um, they they came over there like, oh, where's the kung fu stuff? It's like, well, it's not in it anymore. And I mean, I I think you commented, Mike, that great. I never used kung fu. Did you? Did you no, ever use never, any never of that? use it? But for for the PC guys, you know, they were they were really upset about that. The whole um, leaning around the corners as well. I mean, I I was I wasn't bothered that. Was yeah, when I play PC games, I'll lean quite a lot. And but and when I'm playing, uh, it's not cons- really a console shoot. I very rarely lean. So again, that was something that uh, that certainly didn't bother us. But uh, I don't think he played too well to the PC crowd. Yeah. So I think for us, I mean, Fear Two is a is a perfect sequel. It takes the good things from the first game um, gunplay the, the AI is, yeah. it has improved the, the AI not by loads but you do see them making good use of the cover systems now mm. um, but it just it puts it in an interesting world I think that's the main thing the world is interesting this time it looks good there's loads and loads and loads of blood which uh, which makes it very satisfying to shoot things, and uh, and there are, there are a couple of good creepy moments as well. It's not terrifying. It's not like Silent Hill where you're afraid to go through a door or anything. But um, there are some nice jumps. A yeah. couple of which are actually in the demo, um, in the school in particular. And also, I think I'm, I'm I'm very much prepared to say that for our people who listen to our podcast or PlayStation Three owners, that it's a better game than Killzone Two. Yes. Yeah. I uh, th- I know that's being hyped as like the big shooter of the year for the PlayStation Three, but uh, Fear is a better game. Uh, is is Killzone Two out? Yeah, I, I mean I've played. Oh well, yeah, it's out very soon. The demo is actually out the day we're recording this podcast. Okay, I mean in that case, I'm not going to go into too much detail. So I probably I probably can't yet, but um, I have had the the benefit of playing Killzone Two. Um, I I I didn't finish it actually. I I, I could have done, but I I chose not but to. You couldn't be bothered. Um. It's now, very interesting now, you should say that. I think um, I think it's Tim Rogers did a, a, a the American games writer who's done a lot of stuff for like GFW and so on. I think he does anyway. Or Tom Chick perhaps, one or the other. I always get them confused. I think it's Tom Chick did a thing for um, the Sci-Fi Channel's games blog where he said, "Yeah, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm at the end of the game. Well, near the end of the game. At least I think I am. Am I going to finish it? Probably not." Don't really, don't really care. Don't really feel like finishing it. He said, it's always been very solid, but meh. I've been told it suddenly gets better later on. The first two levels were were really not that special. After that, it definitely picked up. Um, I mean, all I'll say is anyone who listens to the podcast uh, on a regular basis knows that Mike and I we aren't console specific. We work on an Xbox only mag. We freelance for PlayStation mags. We freelance for Nintendo mags, and we love gaming as a whole. Mm-hmm. If an Xbox game is rubbish, we'll say so. I mean, personally, I'm not that into Gears of War. As I mean, I think it's a great game, yeah. but I don't think it's it's the best thing ever. I, I'm nowhere near. Um, so we're not just bashing Killzone Two because it's on PS3 and PS3 only just genuinely don't think it's that brilliant no no I, I, i'm in total agreement um i think the the cover system I, I i might be in the minority here but i think the whole lot to cover in the first person just really doesn't work yeah or you have to completely retrain yourself how to it play works really good in um, rainbow six where switch would switch to third person every time you locked cover that was great I think the trouble I had with Killzone 2 is that I, I was never safe. Like, I mean, you know me, you know I always have to stick games on hard to play it. Yeah. Like that, I was... You do totally have to approach the game differently because I was trying to use the cover system. I was getting killed every time I was behind cover within seconds. I had right. to stick it back down to normal. Right. 
So, See, uh, my problem with the game is the, the world itself. It's like, I, I don't understand why game designers would make worlds I don't want to be in. In our upcoming issue, we have um, a feature on you know some of the best worlds in games. Essentially, a feature about it's essentially a feature about game design, dressed up as like a travel guide. Essentially, it's like you know these are places you can go. These are absolutely places you can go. You go to like the world of Far Cry Two, and let's make no mistake: Far Cry Two is a game with problems, and we've discussed them at length on this podcast before. Dozens upon dozens of problems, but I just love being in that world. And Gears of War, again, it's a world I love being in. It just it looks so rich, it looks so interesting. This thing's collapsing everywhere. It's just, it's this world which was the you know, beautiful once has just been driven into ruins and so on. And it looks great. And even Halo is so bright and so colourful. These are places you want to go. And I look at uh, Killzone, and they, it's like they've invested millions into building this sci-fi world. And it looks like Trowbridge, or Melksham, or any other small town around here. It could be anywhere. It just looks like a, a, any other concrete town. It could be. It could just be absolutely anywhere. And why would you invest so much money and so much technology into making a world that's so utterly ordinary? Why would you? not want to stamp is your own vision on it why would you not want to really create something and really like, do something beautiful and different not even beautiful i mean gears of war isn't beautiful but it's, it's you know it's it's it has its look mm. it's identifiable and like i'm i'm prepared to say that without a doubt that killzone 2 is one of the best looking games easily on the uh on the ps3 yeah. ahead of even like Metal Gear solid 4 but the actual world it's in, gone though. It's, it's a good one I don't want to spend any time in. Again, conversely, Metal Gear Solid 4 I was full of places I wanted yeah. to be. I mean, it's such a, I think for, for the pair of us in particular, it's such an important part of a game, the world you're in. Yeah. Like we were saying, I, I came into the office this morning and said to Mike about Far Cry 2, I've been playing it over the past week or so. I, have, I haven't really got into it before Christmas, but um, I've got into it now and I absolutely love that game. And like yourself, you know, I agree it's got its problems, but just being in you know that jungle environment i'm not even like that far in so i haven't got to the uh, second territory yeah. is there a southern territory yeah, there's a southern right? territory yeah haven't even how you there get there's really good as well well I've, I've, I've thankfully got that to come but um even just just navigating that world is just fantastic yeah that in itself is just a pleasure yeah. when doing the bits in between your tasks is fun you know that the game's done a lot of things right yeah um Resident Evil 5 as well, it's the only thing I will say about it today is that some of the places in there are, are great. It's like Resi 4 in Africa yeah. with all the, the different settings. Resi 4 is, up. again, a great place. Like, I, I had never been to an environment like that in a video game before. I'd never been to... a I've been to the old Haunted Castle from the middle. Mm. And I've been to, but I've never been to like a place like The Village, a place as the utterly menacing. Five hours or just... And God, what, did, what great design that game. It's like... It's this autumnal setting and there's like nettles everywhere because and brambles and it's like everything's overgrown. It's just like so hostile. These horrible nettles everywhere. It's just like all blackened and like because they're dying because it's autumn time. Like just a, tr a truly unpleasant place to be, but still a world you want to explore because you want to see what you want to see the depths of it. You want to see the layers. And when you peel back the layers of Killzone 2, what you find is more and more grey concrete, which again just looks like. God, it just looks like anywhere in Bristol, you know? Whatever town, if you're in any major city right now, take a look out the window at the local, just look to the local housing estate. That's what, that's what Killzone 2 looks like. Come on, man, you can do better than that. You've been given like a billion dollars by Sony. Do better. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, one world that sure isn't, that surely will not disappoint is going to be, um, Assassin's Creed 2, which has obviously been announced now, officially. Yeah. 
by Ubisoft. Along with Grawl and Rainbow Six. Yeah, which is which is brilliant, obviously. It's massively exciting. I've been, because of the snow, I was forced to take a day off on Tuesday. Thanks, uh, first bus, Bristol, for that, by the way. <laughs> After I waited at the bus stop for 45 minutes. It's good, brilliant, but useless. Anyway, um, I sat at home and I played Grawl, because I was like, you know what, I could do some sunshine. So I played the first Grawl. Man, what a great game. That game is still good. And if you t- if you use the second control scheme, it feels like a slightly more modern control scheme because like the A button locks you, uh, well, actually unlocks you from cover. So it's a bit like more like Gears of War. And your know, weapon swap is on Y and so on. And I was sitting there playing that. I played pretty much to the end of the game. I skipped the night mission levels because they were terrible. Uh, I also skip that level where you always hit a bug, the rooftop level, where you're going across the rooftops and you get to a point where it says, oh, you're leaving the map, you're leaving the map, but there's actually no way forward. I can't actually remember that. Yeah, that bug hits me almost every time. So I got to that point and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to get to get in a helicopter again. Um, God, what a great game. I remember what was most interesting here is I remember the first time I played it and I remember looking at a game and I was thinking, oh, Damn, games are not. This is the best looking shit I've ever seen. This is this is just mind blowingly good looking. I think uh, if I remember it correctly, I think uh, Ghost Recon has uh, Advanced Warfighter obviously has one of my all time favorite 360 gaming moments. And that's when uh, it's been a couple of years, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong. But don't you get to a town square and you're looking around and suddenly the building in front of you just it explodes? Just explodes. Yeah, you're walking towards it because you've got to go and secure uh, VIP two. Yeah. Uh, or possibly VIP one, which is like the, either the Mexican president or the US president. Honestly, I wasn't paying much attention. I was walking towards it and it just explodes. Just goes up. You're like, oh no! And then you have a siege where they just they just they send units after units after units that you loads of guys the music starts playing this like really mournful tune yeah. because you have no hope you cannot win and they're like communications black out as well you're completely blind in the field you're just like shooting these guys and they just keep on coming then a tank rolls up and an armored personnel carrier and you're like oh Jesus and all of a sudden your radio crackles back into life and it's like oh yeah we got this gunship in the air we're in the air <laughs> you, you call a shot we'll take it and it's like you're like oh all of a sudden all those guys who had you completely suppressed completely pinned down just getting minced just yeah. getting torn to pieces by rockets and machine guns what a great 360 moment that was what a great moment one of the best moments in 360 gaming and God, but I look at that game now, and it's literally, you look at that game, when I first played it, it was amazing. I've been playing Crisis a lot lately as well on my PC, because I beefed my PC up over Christmas. So I've been doing a lot of PC gaming. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you look at how amazing Crisis looks, and it does look truly amazing. But you even look at how good Far Cry 2 looks. That's astonishing. And I tell you what, if Grawl 3 isn't on the Dunia engine, I'm going to be very upset. I want Grawl 3 to be set in the jungles, like the old Gross Recons mm-hmm. were. That's going to be amazing. Do you want it to be first person? Third person. I think, I think, I think, Grawl, I think uh, Ghost Recon works well in third person. I think uh, Ghost Recon 2 and so on were great in third person. I think Rainbow Six should be their first person franchise. Um, but I sat there and played it. I was like, holy shit, this whole city is made of like, you know, it's like a Blue Peter city. You know? It's, like, it's like, a, like a kid that's got a load of cereal boxes and then painted them brown mm-hmm. and just, just stacked them up. It's like a. It's like everything's made out of matchboxes and cereal boxes and milk cartons and everything in you know, that entire world is just a box. And like, and it drops frames as well. The frame rate's yeah. all over the place and the screen tearing's crazy. And I was like, oh my god, how far we've come! It's amazing just in a few years since the 360 launched that, yeah. uh, that there's been such a leap. I mean, it it makes me it makes me want another 
four or five years before another console appears if another console I, I think we've got three I think 2012 will be when the new consoles launch and it's good because this will be like one of the longest generations then if so I, well perhaps yeah I think what we'll do what we'll see is um, and I, I can say we've speaking, spoken to people who who say this is probably quite accurate I don't say any further than that but you'll get for example this year Halo ODST the following year Gears 3 the year after that, possibly something else Halo-related, I would imagine, to fill the gap. And then, of course, you've got 2012, you can actually launch with maybe a new Gears of War for that generation, maybe a new Halo for that generation, actually launch with yeah. it. And that will shift consoles like crazy. I would I think, think it would launch with the Gears. I think that's more likely. Well, Microsoft's Halo studio is absolutely colossal, and we know they're working on several projects. Halo Chronicles wouldn't be a no-no, I don't think, for this generation. I think it would be likely to could possibly come in 2011. Uh, if they're working on it right now, that could be a great game. And of course, they've got guys who could potentially, in theory, be working on Halo 4. They've got an incredible team over there. We've got a feature on it on the issue that's on shelves at the moment and the fear issue about the team they've assembled for their Halo studio. Uh, they've got incredible talent over there all of which are working on something lots of Halo related things they're not all on one game we know that we know they're on several things so a Halo 4 to launch a new console I think would be out of the question but honestly that story's wrapped up that story ended with Halo 3 if they're going to do it again let's just do something different let's do something different set in the past call it Halo 4 Runner or something and use the number number 4 for it and do a story set in the past oh I don't know about that (laughs) seeing that on the shelf hey listen listen, you know what it's like they have to brand stuff to to sell do whatever you got to make it sell but just don't go back to that story let, let the old Master Chief lie in peace and then we'll, uh, we'll get on with other stuff and maybe you know maybe when you, you do the, the fourth Xbox in 2020 or something then go back to the Master Chief story give it a, give it a real long rest I don't know the, the, the teaser end of Halo 3 that's just that's just begging for a game to follow up well, when he gets to the Forerunner planet well that's really interesting that you call it Forerunner planet because a lot of people debate online what that planet is and I can tell you unequivocally, it is, the, it is a forerunner planet. And I didn't have my tape recorder on for this, but I was chatting to Chris Connolly, one of Bungie's level designers, and I finished it on Legendary at the event. Well, I didn't. I finished it on Heroic at the, at the review event and then played the last level on Legendary to see if I get an extra ending, and sure enough, you do. And I went downstairs, and you see, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got the Legendary ending. He's like, oh, you did? Oh, wow. You, you know. I was like, no, I cheated my way. I was like, okay. And... Um, I said to him, so what is that, what is, what's the deal with that planet? He was like, oh yeah, you know, he said, we kind of don't want to go into too much detail on that. But he said, the idea is it's a, it's a forerunner planet. It's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, if, if we might, we might one day want to do something with that, but I, I'm not sure. But the idea is it leaves it open. That is a forerunner planet. And the idea is Master Chief isn't like all the way out at the edge of the galaxy anymore because he made it a bit like into the portal, at least partially. But, he is definitely lost in space and yeah. he's drifting towards this forerunner planet. It is definitely, I wish I had my tape recorder recording while I did it so I could make it fully quotable, but no, it is a forerunner planet. And like you say, it is begging to be continued, but I think it's one of those things that it'd be so good to give it a real long rest, you know, and just come back to it later. Give it a Star Wars style break, except of course, when it comes back, let's hope it's a little bit better than the Phantom Menace. one. Oh, <laughs> damn, what a terrible movie. That was on over Christmas, I think, as well. I watched Ghostbusters on Christmas Day. 
that was a strong Christmas day, let me tell you. Any 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 Christmas with Ghostbusters is great. Um, Ghostbusters game, we've seen a bit more of it. Yeah, I got to see it at Atari's event in December. Looks really, really promising. Yeah, I'm, I have my concerns. The guys sort of drift around, float around a little bit. I think they need to be a bit heavier, a little bit more lumbering, a little bit weightier. I think the actual effects, the, the proton packs and everything are just absolutely incredible. It's brilliant. I think the actual way you trap ghosts as well is just like the movies. The dialogue's a little bit phoned in. The dialogue's a little bit weak, I've got to say. That's something Jem commented as, as well. Um, Jem is, is obviously our production editor, probably the biggest Ghostbuster fan that ever lived. He is Ghostbusters fanboy number one, for sure. But uh, again, at the event, the guy said something quite interesting. And um, God, again, it was probably, prob- it was, it was, it, my tape recorder was on, so it's fully on the record. And he, was, he mentioned that, you know, they're hoping to have it out for summer, which of course has been confirmed now alongside the release of the 20th um, anniversary DVD. It's been 20 years since Ghostbusters came out. I can't believe it. God, uh, is um, it, is well, it 20th or three, 25th? I can't remember. 25. Uh, 25, I yeah, think. 25 years. People who were born in 1991 are adults now. That's unacceptable. That's that is, that is unacceptable. If you were born in 1991, you are still at school as far as I'm concerned you are still a small child I struggle I really do struggle with this anyway like I said we want to have it out in time for the 25th anniversary DVD and hopefully the announcement of the third film like whoa, whoa stop the press hang on a second announcement of the third film he's like yeah we want to you know I said, he said I'm not sure if that's been made official yet but I know that talks are ongoing mm. so hopefully those talks are fruitful we do get a third movie because man, I could go for another case. Yeah, I'm movie. sure. I mean, as I, long as it's not like a fourth Indiana Jones movie. No, our, our system, I guess, FX, I think, has quite a bit on, on Ghostbusters yeah. projects. I don't know if it's been officially announced. I thought, I thought it had been. I think, as I say, talks are sort of. It's, it's one of those things which is, I think, almost inevitable at this point. It's like unspoken that it, it's happening, but uh, but no one's come on the record and said yes. Oh no, no one's come on the record. Anyway, um, speaking of uh, speaking of on the record, uh, as we record, it's been it's been it's been, well, it's been I think a day since Christian Bell, his little recording hit the internet. His uh, his recording on the set of the Terminator made it uh, made it to the national news. Really? Yeah, I was watching TV last night. I never watch TV, but I was watching TV last night. It was on the national news. Come on, there's better news stories than that. There are better news stories than that. I think the real story in this story, though, is Christian Bell's accent is even worse now. It's Christian crazy. Bell's American accent is going all over the place these days. That, that accent, I don't know what's going on with him. I'll tell you what, He's though, from London. I'd, uh, I'd urge listeners, uh, to, if you haven't already checked it out, to, to check out the, the Christian Bell um, rant. Check out the remix version. Yeah, there's every, there's loads then, of uh, there's, there's loads of great tunes. And then you know exactly what it's like when Mike gets angry in the office. Oh, okay. Well, actually, I was going to say honestly, I can give him. A, I'm, gonna, I'm giving Bill Christian about the benefit of the doubt on this one. Gonna, it's like you know, yeah, okay, he gets paid millions of dollars for fanning about. I'm sure we can all keep our temper when we're you know getting paid that much money. But at the same time, man, when you're having a bad day, shit can go wrong, and you can just freak out. But it's like shit. I, I, I freaked out and stuff. Like, on occasions I wouldn't be proud of. Matt's tossed a pad or two. Tim's tossed a pad or two. It's like no one would want that shit recorded and broadcast all over the world. You see, that, guy, that dude's got me so embarrassed right now. Mm. I kind of prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt, the, the doubt to a certain extent, but on the other hand, man, that was a lot of swearing all aimed at one dude. <laughs> that was a lot of swearing. Like when you are when you're earning ten million dollars and you're screaming your mouth off at the guy who's like on you know. 30, 40 grand 
Actually, probably not because he's the director of photography, so he's on way more than that. When you're on the guy who's literally earning a, a tenth, at, you know, a, maybe even a twentieth of what you're earning, you need to calm yourself down. You just stop being a douchebag about that. It's one thing getting angry with yourself. And I got to say, like, if you get angry in the office, like, it's usually with yourself, right? Mm. You know, when you're playing a game, you're like, oh, well, frustration God. that you can't do a particular part of a game. And well, it's only you that, you know, you got Yeah, to we blame. were recording a thing here for the DVD. And man, alive, I could not get this one line out. And I was just like, I was, I was enraged enough to kick a plastic cup. That plastic cup got the full brunt of my wrath. And you're like, oh shit, I like, whatever happens, delete that part of the video. Like, I don't need, I don't need to see our readers to see me kicking a plastic cup. But in all those occasions, it's like getting frustrated with yourself. But to take it out on some other dude like that, man, that's, that is, that's, that's a bit mean. I gotta say, that's a little bit mean. But, uh, it does, it does, uh, put the old, um, put the old sister punching incident from last year into context. <laughs> Matt's going to chop that bit out no uh, okay Christian Bell didn't punch anyone he is a fine actor one of the finest actors of his generation that accent though he's got to lose that accent man. I'll tell you that what, American like, accent Christian Bell awesome as Batman and Batman might just be the first good superhero video game that ever existed it might just be it might just be it is from hey, what we've seen so far very 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 you don't good. remember batman the caped crusader on the zx spectrum that was a I good don't, game i don't remember that I'll that was honest, a good Mark. game it was two games one of them was called a bird in the hand and i don't remember what the other one was called and one of them was where you you're up against the, the joker the other was you're up against the penguin uh, i think it was called a bird in the hand and it was two stories and they were both really really good like adventure games really really good and that came out in about 1988 i think so 21 years since we've had a decent Batman game. I mean, I really like... I, I did like the Lego Batman game. I thought it was absolutely... Kind of doesn't great. count, you know. But no, I, I don't think it counts. Because um, that's more a Lego game with yeah. a Batman theme. Um, the Batman video game, we've seen... We were quite lucky. I think it was off the record, but we got shown some more of it. We got shown, like, the opening half Big show for the game, yeah. Uh, so, we, so we won't go into details. Um, but, I mean, it looks great. Oh, I it's, think it's, a, it's a truly beautiful game. Character design is all spot on. Um, the voices, really good. I think it's the same voices as the cartoon. Um, Mark Hamill, strong Joker. No, no, no. Do you not? Sorry, I was away from the microphone because I've blown my nose. Um, no, 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 no. I will not have that. Mark, oh, ha- Mark no. Hamill was a fine Joker when he's a cartoon Joker. But the Joker in the game is very much like a real dark Arkham Asylum uh, Grant Morrison kind of Joker you know he's a very dark Joker and to have and oh god damn, I can't do the voice but you know I, on the day I was doing an impression of Mark Hamill mm-hmm. it's kind of like you'll never defeat me Batman you know, it's like, but with a better voice because I'm, I'm choking here you're not uh, Mark Hamill you're not I'm, Luke Skywalker I'm not Luke Skywalker at the moment I normally am um I just think to have him doing Do you that... Think it should have been dark. It should have been I sh- more serious. It should have been a but... nastier but, uh, Joker. Yeah, not not this like pantomime villain Joker, which is what he is in the cartoon. And it works brilliantly in that cartoon. Uh, and again, the same for Batman. He's got this very flat monotone voice, which you want, of course. But the Batman in the game looks terrifying. He's a mm. towering monster of a man. Maybe that that would be uh, ideal for Bale's Batman voice in the movies. I don't think it's quite oh. pulled off in the movies. I think it's too gravelly. Oh, it's just too much. Yeah, again, if I could do the voice, I would do it, but I just can't. Uh, Tim often does impersonations of it in the office. It's like, that Batman voice was just silly. That really was just silly. But you know what they should do? Just sample Christian Bale from the set of Terminator 3. Just, just take all of his outtakes and just make, make the Batman dialogue out of that. 
But we did, um, so we saw the opening of Arkham Asylum. We also saw some of the, the action. Yeah, some of the stealth later in the game. Um, some of the, uh, there's also the investigation stages as well, where he's getting out his uh, magnifying glass. I'm not entirely not sold on those. I say like, oh yeah, you know, Batman's a detective too. And I was like, for ages, I've been like, you know what, Batman is a detective. It should be like reflected in the games. But they're talking about how in this new one it's kind of like, okay, you'll you know you'll follow the clues to your destination, and honestly, it's not really much different to finding waypoints on a map. It's, it's no different to finding waypoints. It's just you're just uh, you're, you're just following up. breadcrumbs, but like you have to find the breadcrumb in the first place. Yeah. So it'd be like you know a, a woman will open a safe, for instance. You'll you'll check the security cameras and see that she opened the safe door. So you'll pull on your detection stuff, and then you'll find her fingerprints on the safe door, and then you can use her fingerprints to track where she's been and follow the path. But she's followed a very, very linear path and touched like every door frame on the way. So you're basically just moving from door to door. I mean, I, the way it, it's just like you say, at least it's integrated into the Batman. But I like how, I mean, it doesn't detract you know? too much from like your, your fighting and everything. Because the last thing you want to do is get out all your kit, you know, start brushing for prints and stuff, yeah. dusting down yeah. and have some goon come and clonk you on the back of the head. Yeah, Talk true enough. Crap, man. True enough. So, <laughs> so it's quite nice. It's just this simple thing. It's not as in depth as say Condemned Two, where well, uh, well, I always wanted for they, they never delivered on it for Condemned Two. Was like, I oh, wanted this moment. I wanted the moment where you're at like this crime scene. Mm-hmm. The police are on their way because mm-hmm. you're not with the, affiliated with the police at that point, and you've got a countdown on your screen. This timer saying the police are going to be here in six minutes you have got six minutes to fully investigate this crime scene you've got all the tools in your bag at your disposal mm-hmm. and you need to assemble those clues to work out what's going on and you've only got six minutes and so you're, you're investigating you're dusting for prints you're, you're taking photographs you're doing all this stuff the clock's ticking down someone else phones you halfway through and is like they're almost on top of you shit it's like I, I underestimated it they're, 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 I, like, I overestimated it they're actually going to be there in two minutes not three like, oh damn you start doing this like you're still investigating you hear the front door get kicked in and there's people shouting police police they're coming up the stairs and you know that if they bust in and find you there they're just going to take you out and they, I wanted that moment it's like intense investigation one which would affect like mm-hmm. events later in the game I did like the investigation portion so although there were no time ones I did because in the first game all you did was uh, press X yeah when yeah. Uh, when you would buy some evidence and it automatically collected it I love at least it in, in the second yeah, one yeah I loved it in the sequel you could you actually collected stuff and then you had to choose the right option yeah so you say um, in the hotel level 2 or whatever it was you drop down there's that body that's pegged open you have to find out what room you're in so like you can go outside and look on the on the door but some of the numbers have fallen off and I think there was a six or was it a nine on the floor and you didn't quite know so and, and the options you were given it could have been either or yeah but then like instead of looking at the door number you could go check the telephone yeah. and it was like written on the telephone so it's really clever how there were like a few different ways encouraging you, you to be a detective clue. you know exactly and I kind of thought Batman was going to be a bit more like that, and it doesn't. Well, maybe seem it will to be. be. You know, it doesn't seem to be at this point from what we've seen. It. Um, but I, I really like that in Condemned, and if Monolith do uh, do carry on the franchise, which I don't think they will, after it all went a bit squiffy at the at the tail end of Condemned Two, with superpowers and stuff, um, that's something I like seeing. It all went as I like to play a little bit of Fahrenheit. 
It did go a you bit You know, Fahrenheit. when Fahrenheit begins with you trying to cover up a murder in a in, in a bathroom, in a bathroom which is one, one of the, the best diner. bits. Again, you're on a, you're on a clock there. You'll yeah. see people walking towards him. One of the best bits in any game. It was so good. And then the game ends with you in basically Area 51, floating around like Neo from the Matrix, using Kung Fu and telekinesis to fight the living embodiment of the internet. While you're... And you're dead, by the way. And you have a, a hot cop girlfriend... What happened <laughs> to get me from the bathroom to there? I have no idea. I, I have big problems with games that change in such a... like. There's, there's a point where it just totally changes. Like um, Dark Athena, the Reddit game. There's, yeah. a, there's a definite... They were doing so game. well to the 60% mark. Changes. So well. Yeah. And it completely goes off the rails. For me, one of my favourite games probably of all time, Half-Life. As soon as it got into the alien world... Man, that stopped everyone becoming says a good it, game. And everyone says it. And I hear, I mean, you've been playing a lot. Crisis, does that not also do the Crisis same does exactly the same thing. It's so, so good. And now I've got a really powerful computer. It's like, so much of what makes that game great is the richness of the world. We're talking about it's like how important the world is to games. Well, the higher you can tweak those graphic sliders on that game, the more interesting that world becomes. And I've got it like pretty much almost maxed out on some settings. And it, like high on some settings and highest on a few others and it's running at a rock solid 30 frames so I'm, good, I'm happy with that and it looks amazing it's such a rich and such a beautiful world and you've got so many choices so many different things you can do all the way through the levels and then you get to a point which I haven't got to on uh, my current playthrough I'm not that far into my current playthrough but my original playthrough you get to this point where all of a sudden you're just on this linear path and you're using vehicles and you're just like killing everything and then an invisible wall disappears and you can move on and you kill everything and an invisible wall disappears and you can move on. It's like, why would you do that? You were doing so well. You were doing everything you were doing was so good. It would almost be better if you ended it at the six hour point I, I, and ended to... it like there, then add an extra two hours of rubbish. I've tried to come up with a theory as to why it might happen because there's another game which, um, which isn't out for a while. We've, we've had the benefit of, of playing through it, so we won't name it yet. Um, it does the same thing, gets to a certain point, and it just totally goes Matt, Matt's mental. trying to mouth to me what it is. I don't know what game he's talking about. It totally, totally goes mental. Um, I don't know. I mean, with, with, with Riddick, what, what I guess happened, this is you know, pure guesswork, it was originally billed as just a remake with a little bit extra. With a little extra content, yeah. And then I think everyone latched on to the little bit extra. This was going back about yeah. two years now. And of course, they were going to be releasing a, like around about Christmas 2007. Yeah, it was, well, if not before then. I think it was Christmas 2007 because they hadn't announced it when I joined the magazine. They announced it shortly after. Right. And then everyone kind of got really excited thinking, oh, it's another game. When really it was only this little bit extra. I think perhaps they and sort they, of felt they pressured. Thought, oh, crap, we need to do something yeah. else. So they went back and... I guess they added this whole other portion onto yeah, the well, end there, of what there is banned. a very, very definitive end point halfway through the game, about 60% of the way through, which doesn't tie perfectly into Pitch Black at all, but neither does the real ending, so they clearly just ignored continuity at that point anyway with the, with the real ending. But there's a very definitive and very good ending point which makes Riddick look like a monster, which, is, which he is, at the 60% mark. But instead, there's this extra section, which to me feels as though it's been influenced by lots of games that have come out in the last couple of years. Almost as if they, they sat there and they thought, 
oh, these guys have done this, we have to have this. Oh, these guys have done that, we have to have that. And what it becomes isn't Riddick. And again, I'll talk about it in detail in a couple of weeks, but it's mentioned in my review. Like, there are things there which are just definitely not what you want a Riddick game to be. Definitely not. Uh, it essentially turns into a, a platform boss rush. Just, it's not good. And if they ended it where they had said, you know, if they ended it at the 60% mark, the game actually would have got a higher score. More content doesn't equal more value because the extra content they put in burdens the rest of the game. It is a boat anchor dragging the rest of the game down. I enjoyed so much of Dark Athena, so much of Butcher Bay, and I got to this point in Dark Athena where it was like, I'm... It's, I'm not enjoying this. This is sour. This has, made, this has left a bitter taste in my mouth. And when I think back to that game now, I don't think of all of the good times I had. I think back to that last two, three hours, which were just miserable. It's boring. And Crisis is the same. I don't, when I play Crisis, I don't think, oh, wow, you know, this amazing world, all the choices I got to make, all the options I had. I think, God, those last couple of hours really sucked. And it's like, if you're... It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the fastest runner in the world, sprinting the 100 meters in like, you know, eight seconds. If you trip and fall on your face when you go over that line. If you're the greatest gymnast in the world and you jump in the air, 300 feet, 20 backflips, 20 twists, you land and you land square on your face, bust your nose in. Like, no matter how good you did on the way up. Still getting zero points. The fact is, you land <laughs> on your face at the end, you know? It's not good. It wasn't a good, it wasn't a good jump. If you're a trapeze artist, you know? Oh shit, it's like, I'm, 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 I'm I can do all these flips. I can do all these jumps I can do all these twists but oh shit I dropped my partner and she's dead because you know I dropped my partner and she, she fell 30 feet onto the ground and now she's busted her leg up well guess what you don't get any points for your great performance no. beforehand I think um, th- there's never a good time for a game to turn bad or to have a bit of a wobble no. when it's at, at the end I think that's worst for like if it, if it's at the start, then there's a danger of gamer not being engaged enough to carry on playing, and that's a real real problem. They need to come out of the blocks with something impressive. Yeah. Usually, what you find is many games open with their their or it certainly used to be the case. They they'll open with their strongest level because yeah. that's the level everyone that will see. They'll demo very early on. They'll want to show off. Um, well, probably the first one just beyond any tutorial level, yeah. I would say. Um, but it seems to be like games always finish on their weakest point. Yeah. Which people who finish the games will always. Of course, look movies back. are exactly the opposite. You always you you open on a big on something big and you end on something bigger. Exactly. It. Um, I mean, every, games need to be peaks and troughs. And that's what Butcher's Bay did perfectly. The endings of that game was one of the best game endings ever. I won't spoil it because a lot of people might be playing it. But I think you know, game came out in two thousand four. The statute of limitations I think is over on that game by now. But the ending essentially which I won't spoil, is a complete reversal of everything you've been doing throughout the game, but feels totally perfect in the game. It's like, finally, these guys are going to eat a dick, you know? <laughs> well, I thought, up to, like you're saying, more, more isn't necessarily better value for money. More isn't always more, you know? With Prince of Persia, the new Prince of Persia, I won't explain the oh ending. Oh my God, that is I think, possibly I think the it got worst to a bit, game ending. It got to a bit where it was a brilliant ending. Yeah. I was like, that is genius. I actually thought... This game has, has not tricked me, but it's it's deceived me. I didn't see it coming. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. 
and then it just went on for another 15 minutes and it just spoiled it all and then and then it says to be continued and we've got dlc which is going to then give us another ending which i'm sure will run into a sequel but um yeah imagine don't if, mess up the ending of like all the things prince of Persia is tr- a, a truly truly shocking ending i mean one of the worst endings i've ever seen to a game in not even just in terms of gameplay but it makes you think, why did I sit here and do every, all of this? Why have I been bothering? Why have I bothered all along there? Far Cry 2's got a terrible ending, by the way. Oh, but, the, <laughs> but the getting there is great. But the actual, there's no actual real end sequence. It just sort of snap, it's over. But trust me, the getting there is worth it. It's not like Prince of Persia, where you get to the end and you're like, you know what, why did I even sit through this game if that's the ending? Why did I even do it? Why did I bother? I mean, when it's done right, it's... It just makes the game perfect, like Shadow of the Colossus. I think. Yeah, the great ending, ending. Even I care, but I think Shadow of the Colossus resonates more. Yeah, the ending to that is is superb, and yeah. I, it's such an important part of, of that. If you're playing a game for, I mean, ten, twenty hours longer in some cases. I mean, Fallout Three, guy, you can spend f- forever. Yeah, well, not quite. But uh, the last thing you want is to finish it on a downer. Yeah. Because it just spoils the whole thing. Like, like obviously with with Riddick, by the end you you just look back and you just see the the, the last couple of hours. Yeah, I think the trick is just to have the confidence to be short. Just have the confidence to make your game short. And people aren't going to hold it against you if it's really good. Look at Portal. Look at Call of Duty Five, a four. Call of Duty Four is like a five-hour game. Just Halo Three is a short game as well, but it's full of all these amazing high points, amazing peaks, amazing troughs. Everything is like. It's, it's always up and down. There's always something happening. Uh, Gears two, if anything, for being longer than Gears one, isn't so good. It has. It just feels like mm. it's just more padding. There's more extra stuff which you didn't need. Well, I tell you what. I also want uh, the, uh, every major game after the credits should have a little Easter egg, <laughs> like Metal Gear. You remember when you finished Metal Gear Solid, and you you sit through it. Either you know you got the Oscar ending or you got the Merrill ending, and then credits roll credits go on for friggin ever yeah because it's on a and game. on and on and then there's that little i think there's a telephone conversation with, with the revolver ocelot yeah. and the president yeah just something like that or like the halo 3 legendary ending when you yeah. go into the forerunner part well halo little, 3 did a really nice job because like, they put like a big chunk of their ending after it. it's like far as you're concerned when the edit credit end game ends master chief's dead as far as you're concerned it's over and then at the end of the credits they like cut to him floating around space in half a ship you're like oh shit that is a good ending that's actually quite nice that's really nicely handled so for a lot of people you know Master Chief is like hey for a lot of kids Master Chief is their Batman you know yeah for a lot of kids that guy is like the hero of the you know of that they grew up with so to have like that ending for him I think is really it was a real nice move to put it to, to slot in where they did they did it really well have an ending have a definitive ending roll the credits then a little teaser or something just just for people who want something a little bit extra like a little maybe it'll continue or just yeah. like a free achievement you watch the credits <laughs> 10, 10, 10 points for Matthew Pellet the Matthew Pellet achievement <laughs> shall we bail I think we should I think shall, uh, shall we bounce out into the snow we shall we'll go make some snowman and take some pictures and put them in the mag for you apologies again for the, the time it took to get this podcast that we will try to do better and we will try to have a full compliment of people next time as well uh, which means you me Mr. Weaver possibly even Jem Jemble Fred himself uh, we're going to sign out Matt signed in I'll sign off any, any last words Matt before um, I kill you keep the questions coming because we'll be doing another in two weeks yeah sign up to our Twitter feed as well because it looks embarrassing at the moment we only have like 
20 people subscribing. But it's only been up like 12 hours. Literally 12 hours. So we've actually, that's two people an hour, so that's not bad. Not exactly two people an hour. Matt's Matt sitting there going, shaking his finger. No, that's no, bad no. maths. Almost, all right. Um, but we'll, we'll probably keep updating it. We'll, uh, you know, it's, it's an easy thing we can update to keep in touch with you guys. Uh, and until next time, which will hopefully be in about two weeks, hopefully, we are gone. Bye-bye. See ya.